not here in the car podcast studio. There may be some street noise. You'll hear it. It may be a sound of life in the neighborhood. That's good. You know, I've been out uh, earlier today, and I have to tell you something, neighbors. If you haven't been out of your house today, let me tell you something. Don't go out. Don't do it. Don't go outside. You know why? Stay home. Stay alive. Just think about that. Stay home. Stay alive. You're tempted to go outside. You're tempted to go up to people you don't know. Stay inside. Keep socially distant. This is hard. Maintain social distance awareness. You cannot let your guard down for one instant, my friend. Listen, my friends, my students, my neighbors. I'm distant right now. I'm not talking to anybody. I'm not talking to you. Neighbors are up and down the street. I know they look at me and say, what's wrong with him? Uh, nothing, but you know what? Don't get too close to me. Don't stand so close to me. Don't make me get my songbook out, policeman. Police, don't stand so close to me. No, sir. Six feet, you're going to get a warning from me. Back off, boogaloo. I'm going to tell you why. The doctor came on the uh, the interview program. You know, we, everybody's got the program and probably one of the greatest programs on, on, on any of the podcasts anywhere. It's also broadcast nationwide on a radio hookup called the National Public Radio. You heard of that? Everybody kids about it, but it's, it's pretty cool. Uh, we have one in Fayetteville. Let me tell you something, friend. If you think NPR is funny, you should have lived here in Hillbilly Heaven when it didn't have an NPR. You should have lived here when we didn't have like one newspaper. And it was owned by uh, Jim Walton, who's a nice person, but he don't know everything. I don't care who he is. One man don't know everything. One channel don't know everything. Fox Channel don't know everything. CNN don't know everything. I don't know good English. (laughs) You better vary your information diet. Some of you are living in the information desert, friend. This is not a time to be scrimping on information vitality. This is not a time to say, I don't care what the quality is. This is not the time to be stubborn in your ignorance. Don't do it. Don't be immune, friend, to better information. I don't care who gives it to you. All right. Let me tell you one thing, though. If you got any hope of living through this stuff, do not listen to President Trump. I don't care what anybody tells you. I'm not talking about voting. I'm talking about don't let him be your doctor. <laughs> it's not Dr. Trump. It's President Trump. Remember that when you, if you accidentally hear him talking. If you hear him talking, try to turn the channel off and run. <laughs> run over to your clinic and your real doctor and say, hey, you know, uh, what's up? <laughs> I called the Mercy COVID screening line. The lady said, hi, I'm Stacy. I said, hi, I'm Steve. I said, I'm 69 years old. I've watched a lot of Fox News. I'm scared to death. And uh, I've watched some CNN. I got scared. And I I said, my neighbors are terrifying me. I said, I'm 69 years old. She said, are you seated? I said, yeah. She said, okay. I mean, you know, she's real calm. She didn't react to anything I said. You know, panic's contagious. Look up the word contagion. You know what that means? If you're contagious, you know what that means? That means uh, someone could catch the, the ailment. If there's a contagious disease, like, for example, COVID, 
you want to note as much as you can about how you contacted, how you contagious into it, right? How do I contagious into that? <laughs> it's through human society. It attacks clusters of humans, like young people at the beach. Ha, 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 ha. Or the other day they had some uh, youth that are about 20 years old, bronze-looking gods, handsome, handsome men, handsome, handsome women. Yes, they've been swimming together in the sleek surfaces of, of the seaside beaches, beaches and resorts, and they've been drinking and running up and down the beach and going, having the time of their lives. You know what? You are, you are a target for the COVID. It's like they kill you. You know why? Because it's, it's, a, it's a disease that wants to, uh, it has to live somewhere, friend. Well, your lungs are so attractive. Ooh, that'd be a nice place. And they will move in there and just make themselves at home. They will put in some easy chairs, roll in some nice food, and before you know it, they're feasting. And they were the ones on the beach having a great time. And you were going like, I don't feel good. I think, I think I'll go in the house now. That's right, friend. You have the disease. And by the way, it's a, it's a weird disease. Do you think we know all about this disease? No, we do not. Let me tell you something, friend. There's a lot of things about this disease we don't know. But I know this. Stay inside your home. I know you're tempted to go out. I am too. And in fact, I'll be honest, I've been out there. And you know what? It was exhilarating and scary because I thought, yeah, this must be what it's like to be a heroin addict, man. Like one minute you're high, woo-hoo, and the next minute you're like, whoa, I don't feel good. And that would be when you're inside the house, you're going like, ah, man, bum trip, bad trip. I need some, I need some, I need some juice. Well, I know. We humans need the juice of social contact. Did you hear the word contagion? I did. Oh, watch out. If you're contagious, the social juice will kill you. It'd be killer Kool-Aid. Oh, look out for the human kill, uh, killer aid. They'll come get you. Oh, I, I, you know me. I'm kidding around a lot. But most of what I say is straight from the president of the United States, POTUS. You know, he's married to Flotus. <laughs> you ever wonder what they call the children? <laughs> I don't know. The czar was married to the czarina. And I said to my class, therefore, if the czar were married to the czarina, what were the children? And they all answered with one voice, sardines. I said, that's right. <laughs> Got to spell it correctly, though. T-S-A-R-D-I-N-E. Tavarsh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't you like to go around imitating, uh, you know, imitating dialects? And I was going to do this before I, I got on the air today, but I've been busy, uh, uh, you know, uh, feeding my wife. I went to the, uh, the spud doctor. And if you hadn't been to the spud doctor, what wrong were you, huh? What wrong were you? I can hardly talk and say that because how could you not go to the spud doctor? What's wrong with you? I invented a, a uh, order. When I got there, I looked at a menu and I said, uh-uh, you don't have what I want. <laughs> this is how smart the spud doctor Josh and Mark are. I said, hey, your menu is wrong. And they said, what? And, you know, people get so defensive, and they just, they just don't think. And, you know, hey, man, I brought a wallet with me. It's got credit cards, et cetera. And my wife's working. Hey, come on. And I'm ready to buy myself a luxury potato, you know. So the, the potato I want is not up there. And I think to myself, hey, who the boss around here? I am. You know why? Sam Walton says so. Customer boss. The rule number one. Customer always right. Rule number two. Man, when I first worked, worked you know, for Walmart, we had customers that would come in, and they were wrong. They were way, way off. Uh-uh. I mean, they were out in orbit. They weren't even near to the truth, man. They were like a million miles away from the galaxy of truth. And they would say, isn't that right? And I look at them, and I think, no, fool, you're wrong. Then I remember it. Rule number one. <laughs> Customer always right. <laughs> Rule number two. When you have a doubt about who is it right or wrong, 
Rule number two says, rule, go back to rule number one. Customer always right. <laughs> See, I'm talking now like I were Asian. This is ridiculous. I don't, even, I don't really know anything about the Asian uh, cultures except what I've read. Now, you really need to immerse yourself and move to uh, the cultures. But I got lucky, and several of my students, like the beautiful uh, Rajdanon from Thailand, and uh, I think she's descended from the royalty of Thailand. She wouldn't tell me that, but I told her I think so. You're descended, but you, you're kin to the uh, king of Siam, aren't you? She said, Mr. Gunner, please. <laughs> her name is Liv, uh, Liv. And, I, and uh, if you want to know more about her, you have to talk to Peggy Tillery because Peggy really is a sponsor of that, that young lady. She's a blooming uh, Asian uh, today, and uh, we, we were so proud of her. But, uh, and I had other students that visited. I had a, a young lady from, uh, from the uh, uh, land of Nepal. I think I said that with a French accent. Uh, pardon me, uh, Nepal. <laughs> and uh, so the rule was that, you know, first day of class, you got to introduce yourself and say, hey, this is who I am. Now, for Americans, it's pretty easy, breezy, uh, kind of a, you know, easy thing. Man. Hey, dude, I'm from like Dallas, Texas, what's a, and I'm a rodeo champion or something like that. Well, this, this girl is very shy and uh, sticking out like a sore thumb and Japan will get you hammered down to the ground. So she didn't really want to do that. But Hello, welcome to America. And um, she, she finally got up. Demur, uh, and very, you know, very, very quiet. Very quiet for certain. Her sentence is very clipped, is very tight. And marching in close sort of what do they from us? And uh, so, uh, but she did stand up and she moved to the front of the room. The uh, lackadaisical American scholars cast their eye upon this foreign student. Eh, wondering with their critical thinking skills at a diminished capacity, beaten to death by years and years of industrial servitude to the Betsy DeVos theories of school testing and other blathering nonsense instituted by Clinton and Bush. May the plague come upon their names forever. <sighs> you know, what we need is some real education. Let's don't talk about that right now. Uh, the, the student from Japan. I said, lady from Japan, please introduce yourself. Uh, here's the way we do it in America. Please come to the front of the room. Thank you very much. No, you may not bring your textbook with you. Nope, you may not bring your row with you. No, 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 there's no group, no group coming with you. Little did I know that the Japanese do everything in groups. Everything is in a group. You're in a group. But class, my class, here's my class. They know everybody in the group. And uh, the group is composed of, uh, you know, skilled, art artistically uh, uh, strong uh, teams. If you want to be successful in modern culture, you have got to have teams. You can't do it by yourself. You've got to ask Doug McMillan of what's making Walmart work. You think it's Doug McMillan? No. Uh-uh. No, I didn't. Do you think it's the head of the United States Industrial Division, whatever his name is, Dr. Ferner? <laughs> no. No, it's not. It's the, it's the teams. And out of the team of 20 or 30 people comes a super identity, Right? We're on Dr. So-and-so's team, right? Don't you want to be on a winning team? See what I mean already? Don't you feel excited about that? I want a T-shirt. I want to be on the T-shirt. I want to be on the neighborhood team. Okay, come back tomorrow and join the podcast. This is the Neighbors podcast. I hope I turned it on. Did I turn it on? Let me check. Oh, yeah. Only got a few more minutes. Yeah. Hey, hi, neighbors. This is Steve Gunner here in the neighborhood of uh, uh, Ivy Circle. I live at 17 Ivy Circle. Uh, if you come over, I have one chair. Uh, you're welcome to sit in it. Uh, as long as you don't have a, a COVID disease. 
And uh, how do you know if you have it or not? Huh? Huh? How do you know? Oh, I don't think I have it. Well, that won't count for me. You got to have proof. You come and sit down in my chair in my yard, you better have some kind of like ID from the doctor. You better be signed and certified by your doctor, right? Don't come over here and tell me you think you're okay. Uh-uh. You can't get in my yard. I have a biological wall. Look, man, I have a wall around my house that says stay out and don't come near my door. <laughs> and if you didn't read it, I'll tell it to you personally. Get off my property and don't come back. <laughs> That's called social distancing. <laughs> it also sounds pretty unneighborly. I know. I, yeah, hey, I know. Well, welcome to the Neighbors Podcast where neighbors are living in the hard times of quarantine and social distance. And it's hard to be a neighbor when it's against the law. Let me, you know what? It's a really difficult thing to be a neighbor to someone when it's against the law. And besides that, you might get killed. How can I be a neighbor to you, friend? I don't know if you're, you're carrying a killer disease. And to make matters worse, you can't even be, like, polite at a distance. No, no, no. Somebody says, Steve, I'm just going to come by and say hello to you. No, you're not. You know why? Because just today, just today, this disease is so little studied. We just today, the doctors have been studying this disease. Uh, what? It started in Wuhan. You don't know where Wuhan is. You don't know where the map is. You wouldn't know where to find Wuhan if it fell on you. Wuhan is a city of 11 million people. Many of them are dead now. You know why? Because they're too socially compact. They work in groups over there. People like me are going to thrive during this time of disease. You know why? I have a Daniel Boone attitude. If you can see your neighbor's smoke from his chimney, he is too damn close. And if a neighbor gets up to that close to me, I'm going to move my family over the hills, through the trails, all the way to the Appalachian, Kentucky, before Mitch got there. You know what I mean? BM, before Mitch. <laughs> Man, if I saw Mitch moving to my neighborhood, I'd move 50 miles away. <sighs> I built a biological bunker here at my uh, 17 Ivy Circle because I'm an American, damn it, and I'm proud of it. And uh, I, I was proud of my neighborhood until the COVID disease came through then I became glad to be a John Wayne American. You know, I don't need nothing. I got everything I need right here. I got two dogs that get hungry. One of them have to go. <laughs> Somebody said, Mr. Gunner, why you got two dogs? Sometimes to get out alive, it's going to take two dogs to have, to have to pay the price. You got to have a bodyguard, man. Come on. I'm, uh, I'm happy to be in my carport where it's nice and safe. I can press a button and have a wall come down on the enemy. It says on my carport door, it says, be careful if you get under this, it'll kill you. I thought, yeah, that's the one I want. <laughs> uh-uh, no, sir, no COVID coming through my door. Like I said, you know, welcome to, welcome to the Neighbor Podcast. Now, we're going to talk about neighbors now in a platonic and a theoretical way because right now we can't be a Aristotelian. We cannot be like on the ground with the neighbors. We can't go to our neighbor's house. Right now, because listen, just today, the doctor and a team of doctors, probably from this girl's hometown, uh, have reported that the years of research have resulted that this particular strain of flu called the car, uh, corona uh, strain of flu. Now, I hate to tell you this, it was just revealed today that uh, it's not only the droplets of the water or the, the you know the fluids and the liquids that are streaming out of your nose or your mouth as you're trying to talk to me. Don't stand so close to me where you're streaming nose, uh, nasal passages flowing with the juices of the nose and uh, 
you're uh, spitting lips at me. Uh-uh. I don't care how attractive you are, man, lady. Don't get so close to me. Get off my property. That was sung by the police. Uh, I supplied the lyrics. Now, look, uh, I, I want to talk more about uh, these things, but I keep thinking last night about uh, I really enjoy the old-time uh, TV. I wish we could get it back, you know. Johnny Carson, uh-huh. Uh, late night with uh, with uh, Dave. Where'd he go? Come back, Dave. David, come back. Come back, Dave. Know your cuts of meat. <laughs> Wasn't that fun? Oh, we had so much fun. But it's all gone now. We have we have mean comedians, and we have like ugly, ugly stuff on the TV shows, and it's horrible. But uh, you know, come back, uh, come back to the old time TV. I miss you so much. Uh, come back, westerns. Come back, Steve McQueen. Please, come back. Uh, but I just, uh, I'll give you an example. Like last night, I said to myself, I hate the TV right now. So I, I went to the TV of the past. You know what I did? I went to YouTube. It's uh, Easter coming up, so I resurrected one of the great shows. It was dead as it could be. I turned it on, and here they come again. That's right, it was Larry King Live. Larry King Live, one of the greatest interview shows of all time. Larry King, you know, in person, uh, I don't know. I mean, I hear a lot of bad things about what a, what a brutal person he was. I don't know. I don't even know if he's still alive or not, but he used to be on CNN, so that's good. And uh, it, and uh, he came on like every night, and it was called Larry King Live. You remember that? And Larry King had a big, huge microphone, just like Rush Limbaugh, but this is like for real. Rush Limbaugh is like totally unreal, fake, 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 fake. What a phony. Anyway, uh, so Larry King, uh, whose skill is asking the question that the, that the stars never want to answer, right? Because, the, you know what, people don't want to answer the really tough questions, like who you really are, and uh, like uh, what is the biggest mistake in your life, huh? Like why don't you stay with your wife, right? You should have, right? Uh, well, why did you do that to your children? Right? Yeah. So Larry King lies. These questions would just sneak up on people, and they would just suddenly tell, tell the world, and, and the whole world learned a great lesson. So uh, last night, I, I say to myself, I'm going to bring back the Larry King Alive show. There he was, Larry King Alive again. And you know who was there with him? It was 1988, and he was uh, interviewing. The last time that this man uh, gave an interview, because it was probably the last time that the man still had his, his mental faculties before he slipped into the sunset of the sundowner disease that's taken so many of my friends. I look at the... Uh, Obituary today, and I saw another lady of the school family that I knew. She's gone. Wow. I just saw them at the Glasgow's not long ago. Glad I said hello to her. Hello to her. You never know when you're saying goodbye. So I, uh, I turned on the Larry King Alive, and there he was, the King of America, Mr. Frank Sinatra. That's right. Chairman of the board. The voice. Frank Sinatra. Man, what, a, what an interesting, what a great guy. You talk about, if you like singing, like I know a little bit about singing. My dad loves singing. I, I like singing. But you know what? There's some art, there's some skill, there's some like superstar tips. And, and Larry King last said, uh, Larry King said, uh, Frank, he said, man, I call you Frank. Larry, Larry King is so smart, he charmed everybody. Uh, Frank said, why do you think I come back, huh? He said, look at me, I'm old, I'm sick, I don't feel good, and uh, I'm on my last legs of life. 
And Larry, thank you for inviting me on the show. He said, nobody ever asked me on the show anymore. Larry King was stunned. You mean to tell me, Frank, that people don't ask you to be on their program? You're right. I'm a forgotten man of American music. Nobody sings my song anymore. I thought, you're crazy, Frank. We're all singing it. It'll never, it'll never die, Frank. Your voice will never die. Anyway, Sinatra looked really sad as he spoke those words right across to the Larry King life. Larry King said, uh, Frank, how do you do it? And by the way, Frank, I notice when you're singing, sometimes you start humming. That was strangers in the night. And and you know, right there, Frank did a couple of hums. He did some. He did some Frank Sinatra humming. He didn't call it his face though. He said, "I do that. It warms up the mask." I thought, "What?" And there he was revealing a superstar secret. He said, "I asked Luciano Pavarotti one time." How did he do this? He said, I want to take the note. I want to make it the last note of my song. And I want the note to be a real long, long note. And I, but I want it to be like, you know, the sweetest note, the last note that the songbird ever sang. It the sweetest note they ever sang. And he said, he said, Luciano, you do it all the time. How do you do it? How do you make, the, how do you make your voice uh, sound like it's the last note on earth? He said, I shut up my mouth. <laughs> so that was the advice of Luciano. The voice. He he uh, he did something. He, he I don't know what he called it. It was something special he did to his voice because uh, the humming made the mask ready for the voice to appear. Where is the voice? What is it? Man, it was a mystery. Listen to Frank talk about it. It was a uh, mysterious gift that he received, and he was in charge of superintending that gift and used it for the blessing of mankind. And I thought to myself, thank you, Mr. Sinatra, for singing the song. I wish I could sing it that well. But, man, I sure do enjoy it when you, when you say, uh, I, I don't get a kick out of champagne. <laughs> got to close, got to hurry up, get out of here. I'm trying to talk to you about the nature of the neighborhood right now. Earlier today on the beautiful interview program, uh, can you tell I like the interview programs? Uh, the lady, the fresh air lady, Tara Gross, Tara Gross, she definitely uh, got a radio face, just like me. She got a radio face. It counts, doesn't it? I hate to say that, but it does. She interviewed a doctor. His book is called The War Doctor. The War Doctor. And he said he was in the theater or there operating Afghanistan. He volunteers every summer and he performs surgery for people that cannot afford surgery. He goes to war zones where people have been tortured by one side or the other. He doesn't care about that. He's not interested in that. War is evil. War is no good. It ain't good for nothing. War, what is it good for? It's good for absolutely nothing. The doctor said, you know, when I, uh, uh, he said, I learned a lot because he said, one day a terrorist had been, had been saying prayer. I'm always having people tell me, let's pray. I say to myself, y'all need to shut up. Shut up your mouth. And so the terrorist, uh, 
was building bombs to honor God, Allah. And he was going to go blow up some Christian churches because God, hate, God the Allah hates these Christians. You know that? God the Allah says, exterminate these devils because you know what? They don't worship me like they ought to. We all know that. And so the terrorist, the bomber, was about to go kill everybody he could in the local nearby Christian church that you probably go to. And you know what? He said, first, I'm going to pray to God. He got down on his prayer mat, probably got that special on a Taliban super weekend sale. He sat down. Uh, he, he kneeled like a Muhammad told him to. And, uh, you know, he'd had a lot of, lot of bombs ready to go. And unfortunately for him, he was a little neophyte and not too good at his job. Should have done something else because this a wannabe terrorist. He dropped a bomb. It fell on the floor. He didn't even know it. And the next thing you know, the bomb blows up. It killed all five of his family. The wife, boom. Baby number one, boom. Uh, teenage son, boom, boom. You know? And, uh, you know, it almost killed him, but it didn't. Ha, ha, ha. The tortured revenge of Allah. And uh, it, it didn't kill him. So... Clinging to life, uh, they rushed him over to this doctor from England that uh, has a book out today called War Doctor. I, I wish I had a copy. And if you get a if you get a copy of that and you don't want to read it, send it to me. 1790 Circle, The War Doctor. Or uh, put some money in the Kindle, uh, your Kindle account and tell them to let me uh, order it. And I will read it and tell you more about it, okay? The War Doctor, he, uh, he leaned in to the terrorist who was still breathing. And in the, in the name of Jesus, you know, he kicked Allah out of there for a minute. Uh, the misconstrued Allah, I'm sure. I'm sure Allah said no such thing. But the, the bomber thought so, you know. And so, so he reached into the, into the breathing body, and he was about to remove some of the bomb components. You know what I mean? The, the, he, I mean, he was wearing the thing, right? And it blew up, so part of it blew into him. And the doctor got to take it out so the man can heal and go back and serve God some more in his own stupid way. And so the uh, doctor, he said, reach, I learned a long time ago, he said, to, to reach in very carefully. Don't just jump into there and just start rummaging around. But, you know, kind of see what's there. It's not a textbook. It's a person. You're not studying the anatomical figure of make-believe. This is a real guy. Uh, and so it's Ali Boo Boo. He dropped his bomb, and look what happened. So now he's got to uh, get in there and cl clean this guy out. And this is Jesus Christ working through him. And so he leans in. He said, I very carefully reach into the area and I, I perceive, I grip that there is a round piece of the something in the wound. It's exactly what we're looking for. We don't know what it is, though, but we got to get it out. And he said, I took it out. Ooh, everybody in the surgical theater ran out the door and left him standing there. You know why? He was holding the detonator. Now, if you don't know what a detonator can do, you're not a war man, you don't know anything about it, but if you, if you know what a detonator can do, you understand why the doctor said his whole life flashed before him. And he thought, God damn it. And he didn't know what to do. He said, I communicated with the higher power. He said, I don't go to church, but believe me, he said, in a moment like this, I had faith. And I reached up into the higher power. I said, God, get me out of this, please. I'll do better. I'll, I'll do better. I, I will. So whatever your conception of God is, this, this doctor said he didn't even believe in God. And he said, you know what? I believed in him for at least right there. And so there, your belief may come and go, friend. That's okay. Sorry. The doctor said he took that out. He recognized what it was. He looked around to ask for advice. Everybody gone. He carefully took the bomb detonator over to the sink 
uh, he drowned it in, a, in some water until it quit ticking. And uh, then he had to go back over and finish saving the man's life. Now, what happened to the, what did the bomber, I don't know. I don't know. Why don't you write a story and I'll read it, huh? Why don't you get a podcast on FM? Go to anchor.fm and say to the Anchor FM, how much are you going to charge me for a podcast? Nothing. How much did I charge you to come listen to this podcast? Nothing. If you don't like this podcast, there's a button up there. You can tell me how much you don't like it. I'll listen. Maybe I can do better. I don't know. Why don't you help me? Uh, you get off the sidelines and do, do one yourself. Why don't you get off the sidelines of your neighborhood and uh, unbuild the wall and see what you can do, huh? I mean that. Think about it. Look, I got to go, man. Come back tomorrow. Bye.